I, I got my focus on passion and empathy Gaining perspectives, investing, I do believe Money and grinding go hand in hand, you will see I'm working smart, expanding my energy Hope that you feeling me, I'm acting differently You got a friend in me I'm working hard to try and work smart No time to complain, it's time to start We gotta work Future millionaires Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Future Millionaires. Today, we have on Bobby Castro, who founded Bankers Healthcare Group and sold it at a billion-dollar valuation. On top of that, he also has a $300 million-plus real estate apartment portfolio, and he has been the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the, Award, of the Year Award recipient, which is a mouthful to say, but a very accomplished reward and something to be very proud of. And besides from that, guys, a big reason why I want to have Bobby on today is because of his outlook at life with positive mental attitude and just a great way to approach each day. So without further ado, Bobby, how are you doing today? Thank you, Gavin. Thanks for having me and uh, appreciate it a lot and looking forward to doing this podcast and hopefully I can give you and your listeners value and that's what I strive to do every single day is to give more value than I receive. I know it sounds corny for most. But believe it or not, it has impacted my life financially, but more so how I feel inside. Awesome. Love it, Bobby. And I would love for you to really start by giving the listeners just a 60-second snippet of where you're at right now in your life and business so they kind of know what Bobby is focusing on in today's current day. Well, today I sit on a real estate portfolio, um, and we have no investors. We never raised money for any of our uh, apartments. They're $400 million today you know, spits off nice cash flow. We, we, mm-hmm. we focus on buying correctly, leveraging correctly. I have some investments in businesses. I have um, a substantial amount of invested portfolio as to all the money that Sophie and I have created. Uh, last year in June, 2019, we exited the company that we, we founded uh, for a billion dollar exit. So we're in a new chapter in our life. Mm. You know, this last year was very difficult for me because I'm very passionate. I have a lot of energy. Yeah. Son's idea to really put me on social media to really, and I love him so much for, he's such a cool dude. You know, dad, you're all about giving value. All my friends pick your brain, this and that. And I think it's going to help you actually get through this process through BHG. Oh, Brandon, I don't know. Well, I, I sure enough agreed to do it mm-hmm. for six months. Here I am a year later still doing it in between some of my other efforts and um, being on social media, I probably already made uh, $3 million plus dollars in investments with different entrepreneurs I've met, which I was really shocked yeah. meeting them and really getting to know them and really seeing what the core value is. Because when you invest in a company or you start a company, Gavin, it's all about the jockey. You know, you can have the best type of horse, the fastest horse, mm-hmm. all that, but without a jockey to steer it, slow it down, speed it up. It's everything. So, um, you know, it's, it's an exciting chapter. I'm in my new office. You know, my, my, my family, my son, my, my son-in-law, my daughter. There's a whole new thing for me, man. And um, I'm excited now to spend a lot of time with my family and, and give them some love. That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll definitely dive into more of those points, you know, as we dive through the podcast. And I would also love to give the listeners a bit of a background on your early upbringing, because I personally find it very inspiring. And we have a young audience base here of people who are in high school to college age range on average. So with that being said, if you could dive into that and kind of enlighten us a bit on how you grew up and when entrepreneurship was introduced. Well, I was born in the Bronx in New York. 
Um, I only got through the ninth grade. I failed at the third grade. I quit school after the ninth grade. Back then, Gavin, it was junior high. Today, it's considered high school. Mm -hmm. School wasn't for me. I wasn't not, I don't think I was a complicated child at all or a difficult student. I had a lot of questions because I have a hard time comprehending things. Um, it's just how I'm wired. And I think yeah. a lot of teachers frustrated with me. I would always ask questions, questions, but I really didn't understand it. So I told my mom I wanted to leave school. She actually supported me and she was a waitress full time with three jobs, raising her three boys. My dad had me when he was 50. My mom was 27. And my dad had 11 kids before he Dang. met my mom. He had a lot of different ladies. And, um, you know, I, I grew up seeing my mom work very hard, uh, giving value to customers. She waited on tables. Today, it's, it's known as Denny's. Before, he was, before Denny's, it was Sambo's. My mother hmm. worked on the graveyard shift. When you and your buddies came from a wedding or a night out or in the morning, that beautiful waitress was my mom. And after that shift was over, she walked home, didn't drive home because there was no car. And she rested up four hours later, did another gig at another restaurant, went home, did another gig at the third restaurant, Roni Pub Steakhouse. So I followed my mom's footsteps in the hospitality world. And that's where I think I picked up some good people skills because my mom was so fixated on giving value to her customers with the hopes of getting rewarded with an 18% gratuity by mm -hmm. giving a good experience, smiling when you don't feel like smiling, thanking someone when you don't feel like thanking somebody. And I seen that without actually knowing I was actually being exposed to that. And then I left school. I got my first job at 14 years old at the Squallies, which is on uh, 57th Avenue on Red Road in Hialeah. That's still my wow, wow moment. My mom took me to pay less, got, it, got me the shoes, went to Kmart, got the black slacks, the white button down and a black belt. And I started being a takeout. Um, mm -hmm order guy and then worked my way to be a busboy and then eventually, you know, being a waiter. I started a lot of businesses. I was such in a rush of starting success and I had no information. There was no internet. Yeah. I only wanted to be rich because I grew up so poor. My mother, we lived on furniture that was rented. It's called Rent-A-Center. You, you rent a lamp table, a coffee table, a bed for five bucks, 10 bucks. And they used to pick it up, re-deliver. My mom will bounce a check. Light bill, water bill was always off every other month. Wow. I just bothered me. It really bothered me. But I loved when I went to work because it was very positive. But when I went back mm. home, it just disturbed me. And so I just wanted to become rich, whatever it took. So Bobby Castro back then, just imagine on the internet for you guys, I had the classified ads and anything that said, become a millionaire in a year, earn $100,000 next month, uh, make $50,000 in nine minutes. Bobby Castro was sent away for that package. And every day I would get many packages being fixated, thinking that I was just going to go ahead and stick the needle in there. Boom. I'm a millionaire. Yeah. I did that for many, many years, complete disappointments, skip this important process. You know, I was on negative a, and I thought I was going to get a Z overnight, major, major failures. Um, fast forward, things started changing when I had my first child, She's 29 years old today. Sophie and I will be celebrating our 30th anniversary, wedding anniversary, October 6th. And I apply everything I do personally and also my business with the same strategy and for the long term, giving extreme value, more value than I receive. And I'll never forget, Gavin, my, I was living in my in-law's house. I was completely broke, down and out, still on one of my missions of getting rich quickly. Yeah. Sophie pulls up at the house. 
with a car that her parents bought us, a beat up car, no air conditioning. We live in South Florida, so the humidity is really bad. Mm -hmm. And when she pulled up for some reason, I'll never forget that Priscilla was in the backseat. She, she had to be two years old. She was peach red, just suffocating with reverse fumes coming out of this car. That was a moment that I said, you know what? I always said that I was not going to have my kids live through this struggle, that my mom worked her tail out. It was going to be different in my life. My kids mm -hmm. were going to get, and I was actually in a worse position. And that's when the day I took accountability for all my actions, all my outcomes. Um, I started completely at the stage I was at. I went back waiting on tables. I even worked at the Key Biscayne, the Rusty Pelican at night. During the day, I was selling memberships for the Better Business Bureau, and I started slowly starting to focus on my situation, taking care of this reality that I was in. I was completely mm -hmm. broke. One thing led to another thing. Today, I sit on a $300 million personal net worth, $400 million in a portfolio of apartments, by the way, and, and just sold a company for a billion-dollar valuation, hassle-free terms. I did all that by raising no money begging no, no investors, no loans, no nothing to get the money, of course, Yeah. for one penny at a time. I know that sounds crazy. And it shows you the power. If you invest your non-refundable minutes, you don't get distracted. You don't get fixated on the internet. Oh my God, look at the, the, the Ferrari. Oh my God, look. And you're just all wow. And you're really like a hamster going nowhere. Yeah. I see a lot of people like that. Even more so, it's even more difficult now because this internet is very fast, it, it captures you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I came on social media to pass a message on a reminder of, you gotta be extremely positive because 99.9% .9 of the times, it's never gonna work out like you think it will. Mm. That is when you really need to have a lot of PMA. I know it sounds corny, PMA, Bobby, positive mental attitude. I'm telling you, uh, people ask me, Bobby, what, what worked for you? I tell them this, but it's too boring. It's not the, yeah. the the, the fireworks. So I had to stay positive, dude, because I was so broke. I come from a big, big family with a lot of personalities, a lot of distractions, uh, a lot of challenges, a lot of personalities. I had to completely change everything about me, my environments, my surroundings, what I read, what I listen to, even family members. As much as I love them, I had to give it for a moment in time saying, listen, without telling them, I got to just take a little time out here, man. I got to get my crap right here. Mm -hmm. uh, friends, associations, because I'm accountable for all my outcomes. Every decision I have ever made and make, I have to be accountable for that. A lot of people don't fess up and surrender to that. They mm -hmm. all want to blame the circumstances like the old Bobby Castro used to. I used to blame everything and anything other than myself. And I am telling you, it's easier today to make money versus when I started, because you have bona fide information on the internet, Google, you don't have to pay for nothing. You don't have to invest in nothing because it always starts with you. Bobby, how do I get started? Start at the stage where you're at. What do you mean by that? You're broke. You're a whiner. You're a complainer. It's everyone's fault except your fault. You have to really confront the issue and the issue is you. A lot of mm -hmm. entrepreneurs try to pre they try to pivot skipping that very important process. I can give somebody, I can give that old Bobby Castro a million dollars. Here it is. He will screw it up because he's mm -hmm. mentally not there, man. He's not surrendering to the fact that how I was able to scale Gavin was simply this, man. I was not the smartest person. I surrendered to that. I used to have this ego, always knowing it all, control freak. I was good at certain things, very good at certain things, 
horrible mm -hmm. at other things. I focused at the things I was really good at, and I got other people to compensate all the stuff I was horrible at. And when you do that with good people skills to be able to recruit them and convince them and saying, hey, man, you want to come along with the ride because you have to have a model to make others successful to make you successful. Yeah. I learned years ago, you know what? I'm never going to get it. I am a ding dong at this, that. But what if I can get another Bobby that is excellent at that? What if I can convince him? So I used to convince them to come along with me, but it never worked out. And that's where the good intentions with no motives. They read right through me. They didn't mm -hmm. believe in me. When you surrender and you, you, you now are ready saying, okay, there's no motives. There's no hidden agenda. It's pure good intentions. You'll be surprised. People feel that. Mm -hmm. And I see so many people out there trying to pivot and they're not pivoting because they haven't really surrendered to what I just said. And I don't care if you start with 10 million. I don't care if your father gave you my son. I can give him as much money as he wants or as much money I can afford. If he's personally not ready, because you are the best freaking asset, there's, there's only one of you. And if you're not ready, set, go. And when preparation is prepared and it meets opportunity, magic happens. But if you're not prepared, I don't care what opportunity you run, run into, it's never mm -hmm. going to take off. That was, okay. No, that was, that was great. And I feel like there's tons of valuable insights. And I want to dive further into some of the points you made there. So one of them was... I feel like this is one of the key points that really led to your success was your transition from your work ethic that you previously had and you know the old Bobby and the transition from that Bobby to the Bobby that has a work ethic where he views minutes as non-refundable. And because I feel like a lot of young people right now, it's really easy to come home, especially if you're raised in, you know, a nice house and, you know, you have an Xbox and just want to play that. But for you, it sounded like your enjoyment was at work and you really kind of fell in love with the process. And I just want to hear more about how you made that transition so cemented in your being. Yeah, I love it. That's why I say it's, I think it's harder for a lot of uh, young people today because I, I, I think if you were broke like I was and you were struggling, you were on government assistance, your parent, parents were just surviving just to make ends meet that week, mm -hmm. you'd probably have a better shot to be successful Like because I was one of those kids because when you're opposite you have a kid that has the xbox mm -hmm. you have a beautiful house in a suburban area you have this you have an uncle you can go work for if you need to go work for you have all these options even though they're not big options they're options mm -hmm. it's harder for young people because you fall stuck in this comfort zone and you're never going to really attack as much as you say yeah i'm gonna do it i want it i think the kids, Bobby Castro's, that are really struggling. That's why I, I, my heart's with a lot of people that are so unbelievable broke in tough neighborhoods. And I mm -hmm. tell them, Gavin, guys, you have a better shot than that kid that's living in the suburban areas that have options. Do you realize that? And they look at me and they don't get it. But if you have to dig deep down inside you to mm -hmm. realize that, now, if you're that kid in the suburban area that I just explained, you have to actually dig deeper to say, oh my gosh, I am in a real disaster pain. I am, I'm never going to get it unless I get away from all this. If you're not broke, go somewhat broke and get off of this dependency of living mm. with your mom, having these options, having all that. Put yourself in such an uncomfortable situation. I call the airplane mode. Mm -hmm. And whether you you have $300 million personal net worth like myself, or if you're broke, we both behave this way when we go to the airport. 
automatically go to airport, forget about the crisis, automatically the light switch goes on. We're in competitive mode. We're in mission driven. We have to make this airline. We got to get ready for our security gate. We got to go through the radars. You become in this, this, this action. But mm -hmm. when you're outside the airport, you're back to the regular mode. Imagine being in that mode, airport mode, all day, every day. How much you will accomplish. Yeah. No, that's great. And that's, that's definitely true. I mean, even with, uh, you know, deadlines in school for, you know, th those of us who are in school, when there's a deadline, we push so much harder to meet that than if we give ourselves just kind of like unlimited time and we don't put ourselves in uncomfortable situations where we almost have deadlines that we create. So that's incredible. And then another thing I noticed you said that really benefited you was your journey from going to what might have not been the best intentions to the correct intentions and building on a rock star team. And I feel like you can't, you know, do the whole thing on your own. Of course, when you start, you have to do a certain amount by yourself, but eventually, like you said, you have to find other people who complement your weaknesses. And I'm just curious. I'd love for you to dive more into how you build out that rock star team and really how you make sure that other people feel valued and they feel like they're, you know, somewhere where they belong. So what worked for me, whatever your business is, product, service, or whatever the deal is. I used to, many years, I had it so wrong. I used to think I deserved more value than the customer. That's why none of my businesses ever took off. Mm. There was never the opposite, where the customer mm. got a better deal. Now, that sounds crazy to most. So again, I'm going to repeat that. I used to be one of these entrepreneurs that I was going to trick the customer, get the customer, but at the end of the day, I had a better deal than the customer. Mm -hmm. You're never going to scale. That turned around for me by accident only because of failures over and over. Mm -hmm. I realized the only way I can truly be competitive in the marketplace was to give more value to the customer than I receive. Mm -hmm. Because... What happens is you start attracting customers, you start building an organization, you start modifying into a strategy. Most young or old entrepreneurs really don't get that concept. So as you're bit, when you do get it, you start building, you start creating, then you start realizing, and, I, and there was another stage I didn't realize, wow, this thing is growing. As it was growing, I had the same type of staff that only had this much skill set and information and they couldn't, I or they couldn't mm -hmm. get us up here. Yeah. I had to depart from some people. So every stage, you're going to unfortunately depart from some people. Oh mm -hmm. my God, you're kidding me, Bobby. That's my boy from elementary. He was so loyal. He started with me when I had nothing. I understand. I too was there. You got to, as you continue scaling your business, you're going to run into a whole new stage of new people that have better skill sets where you need in order to, to pivot. Yeah. You can't pivot with the same people that were pivoting at B and they already hit the ceiling. I was stuck for many years not realizing that. Then I started trying to recruit the, the individuals. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I didn't have a model where it was set up, Gavin, where I needed you to succeed before I succeeded. So in my business, we created millionaires based on our model. Because we wanted to motivate them to make sure they had the passion to take it to a whole new level. If you win, I win. Remember what I just said? I didn't yeah. say, if I win, you win. If you win, I win. Mm -hmm. Huge yeah. difference. I started getting that because I started losing people. When, when you're having somebody that has a skill set and you can play tricks on them, that you finally beg and you convince them to come to your organization, 
and you really don't have the good intentions or right motives, mm-hmm. you said that they were going to succeed, but you really didn't have it planned out, that catches up to you and they leave you for another organization. Yeah. Then I start saying, you know what? I have to be kinder. I have to have good motives and good intentions because I keep failing. I, 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 I get here and I go back down. Mm-hmm. I can get there, but I can never break through the ceiling. So I started having good motives, good intentions with a good comp plan. And then the people skills came in with being very kind, very sincere. And people believed in me because leaders lead when, they, when others believe in them. And you got to grow yeah. leaders, not grow followers. Mm-hmm. No, that, that's beautiful. And one thing with all that, it all makes sense to me, but I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs encounter this problem, which is maintaining healthy margins while doing that. And maybe this is just part of my mindset right now, which is that it's not value enough driven. I don't know. But what I found is I want to do like so much good, but I still have to make money and make sure that my efforts are, you know, having enough money that I can reinvest into the business. And, you know, if I need to pay for something else, still do that. So I'm wondering what your kind of views on that are with maintaining healthy margins while doing that and whatnot. I'm a big believer in big margins and how I was able to get big margins before I was always a believer in big margins. Mm -hmm. I was not able to attract the customers to buy my margin because I was not giving them more value. Customers Mm -hmm. always want more value. So I never compromise margin. You need to have margin. Okay. And if it wasn't for margin, 0809, I would have been out of business. 0809 was a financial crisis and we survived it because of margin. Mm-hmm. Today, that company will continue surviving this crisis because of margin. And the reason a customer pays handsomely is because you get value. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're just giving it away, giving it away, giving it away, building, you have a lot of customers but you don't have resources means the economics in order to grow. You need capital to grow. We never borrowed money, by the way. It, it, mm-hmm. it was, it's been a debt-free company. Never borrowed money because the margins were very heavy. We managed it correctly. Yeah. I surrounded myself with really wealthy knowledge. And I started scaling, going back, how do I give this customer more value than I receive? Because if I do, he or she will pay for it. Mm-hmm. And if you ask your question, what does the customer want? How much back? That's why I'm all about, Gavin. Yeah. Doing this podcast, anything I do, I want to make sure I give you more value than I get. No matter yeah. what I do, I can make love to my wife. I want to give her more value than I get back. Because I know mm. I keep getting rewarded. I know it sounds corny, maybe a little off the chain. All you need to do to get there slowly, and you'll figure it out, your listeners, whatever you do, personal, business, whatever, give more value to the other party than you receive. Oh, I can't do that, Bob. You have to be a freaking idiot. Okay. Then you're not going to become wealthy. Yeah. So, so in your business, can you give us an example, like, um, you know, a real tangible example of how you maintained healthy margins while still providing a better customer experience and giving that value? I'm very intrigued to hear about that. So, so, so say, and this applies to a lot of different products and services. Mm-hmm. Say your product is this and you're selling it for X. Imagine Increasing the price point for this, but you just added it services to it without charging for those services. It's already built in the margin. So mm-hmm. you, your margin is $5. Now your margin is going to increase to $7, but you're going to throw in so much added value on top of that, that the customer is getting by far a better deal, but you're acquiring a customer. And now you just 
still got your $5 margin because the $2 margin was already paid for with the additive value. Yeah. Okay. You I know? get what, I get what it's you're just saying. Like real estate. You know, I, I love real estate. Real estate's a value add. So when you buy an apartment building, I just bought a 472 unit apartment building. Mm -hmm. And you always, real estate, you want to buy on the buy. Yeah. The objective of real estate, you want to buy this apartment building. And if you add value to it, increase some units, polish it up, increase mm -hmm. the rent, valuation goes up. No different in private equity or any other business. If you add value to it, it increases in value. That's how I was able to exit for a billion dollars. And I'll tell you a quick story. Before the billion dollars, there was a couple slices. One day we get a knock. Mm -hmm. Want to buy your 30% of the company, invest, be a passive investor, based on $250 million valuation, and wire $75 million in cash. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Let's see if it actually closes. Well, it closed. Why would someone do that? So you do the research, you do your uh -huh. Google. I keep bragging about Google. Why would someone do that? All along, I'm paying attention to my business over here, but they were buying this. They were buying this area of the business, not this area of the business. I was so fixated thinking that we were rocking and rolling, doing good. We were making mm -hmm. money. No reason to pay attention to anything else. Keep fueling this. Yeah. But all along, the market wanted this, but I was distracted. So, oh, mm -hmm. good. They stole, they stole it. Good for them. 11 months later, we come knocking. Hey, you have first hurry refusal. We want to take another 19% off, still control and own 51% of the company, but you have the first hurry refusal. Would you like to buy 19%? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, it's going to be based on $600 million. Oh, you're crazy. That's 11 months. I know. Because what we did was we stopped getting distracted and we started paying attention. So, what we did here, Gavin, we fueled this. Mm -hmm. Now, in 11 months, took it to 600 million. 36 months later, took it to a billion dollars. I could have, it was worth yeah. 1.4, but the hassle free. So, you know, uh -huh. that coincides with what I'm saying. Okay, no, that's, that's great. I know we're wrapping up here, Bobby. So, I have a few questions I like to ask all my guests. And those questions are what is the first one is what is advice that you hear often, but you personally think is bad? Cause like you said, with, you know, social media, there's tons of different opinions and I'm wondering what yours is. I totally disagree with the following. I understand it. Do what you love. Now I mm. love boating. I love boating. I love sandbarring. I don't think I'll be well, I, I could be worth what I'm am now if I was just boating. So don't do what you love. Fall in love with the process so you can do what you love. I love that. No, I know exactly what you mean. It's key. And then um, the last one here is, you know, even with all the success you've had as an entrepreneur and person in your life, there are clearly shortcomings that we all experience, whether that be in our life and business. So I'm just wondering, what is one thing that you are still really looking to improve on either in your life or your business as of today? Being kind to others, no motives, only good intentions, having a positive outlook, no matter how dark it is, Today, we're going through some stuff in this country. Mm -hmm. And if you look at things in a positive way, in a beautiful way, and just be kind to all, kindness is so powerful, Gavin. It will win every negotiation. It will close every sale. It will change your life forever. Thank you so much, Bobby. It was great having you on. Where's the best place for our listeners to follow up with you at? The Instagram is official, Bobby Castro. And uh, my son created it, man. And I'm doing this for a moment in time. No motives, good intentions. You know, I'm meeting some awesome people like you. I know you interviewed David Meltzer, which he's such a beautiful person. I love hanging Definitely. out with him. So you, you are surrounding, you are on the path. 
you don't even freaking know it yourself, dude. <laughs> I appreciate it so much, Bobby. It was, it was really amazing having you on, and, and I know everyone appreciated the value drop today. Thank you, my brother. Much love. Yo, what is up, guys? Just finished up the episode with Bobby. Super grateful for him hopping on. Great, great episode. A little shorter. You know, we had a 30-minute window that he was a busy day. Had to fit it in, but super appreciative for him for coming on the show. Dropped tons of value. I'm sure you guys got lots of different values. And I want to really go over the top three things from that episode that I thought the key takeaways were. Starting with number one, which is it's boring, not sexy, right? Call it boring, call it grind, call it whatever you want. The thing is, a lot of times, like Bobby was saying, you see on Instagram, the glam, the glitz, the flair, and that's Instagram. That's not life. <laughs> you know, uh, the formula to success really isn't that complicated. It's not like uh, when you go on these podcasts, it shouldn't be looking for a secret tactic that's never been shared. Sure, the tactics and whatnot are definitely part of it and they help. Like if you don't know the tactics, it's whatever. But you can find that stuff on the internet. Where it's hard on the internet is really finding what's good information, what's bad, which is, I guess, another advantage of the podcast, talking from people who you know have made millions of dollars and they know their shit. But yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, I mean, it's kind of like working out in the sense that you're not going to get ripped overnight. It's not always going to be fun to hit the gym how many times you should be hitting the gym if you want to get absolutely jacked. <laughs> and it, it's kind of the same if you just want, let's say like $100,000 a year, maybe we'll compare that to like a toned body in the workout space, not like a ripped body. I'm talking about dudes more so. I guess I'm a guy, I can relate to that more. That would be, you know, putting in maybe like three, four days a week, but going hard when you're doing that. Clearly with business, it's going to take more than that, but there are different levels of effort for different goals is my point. And it really, the success formula isn't too complicated. You know, hard work, um, work hard at working smart, find the information from smart people like we provide on the podcast and yeah, ask questions and go hard. Just like, you know, ask a friend, Hey, how does my form look? And you're not going to ask somebody that who doesn't know anything about weightlifting. You're going to ask somebody that who has a good track record and is strong and you can see their gains. It's a little harder in business because you can't always see the gains, but you can, um, you know, look at uh, monetary gains with financials and then also ask questions, you know, uh, with that person to make sure you're getting advice from the right people. So the second thing is find ways to increase value, not decrease price. And that was, that was one thing because a lot of times my, from my personal experience, you'll find that, People sometimes have price objections and whatnot. And if there's a price objection, you really don't want to be lowering your price and killing your margins to the point where you don't feel excited to be doing the job that you're doing. Because if you're not feeling excited about a deal and the amount of work that you have to put into a deal um, for the amount of money you're going to make from it, it just it's not going to get you up and going. So instead of doing that, you can even increase your margins by adding more value, you know, potentially. So let's use a marketing agency, for example, um, because that's what I'm very familiar with. Let's say we're running Facebook ads for somebody and we're charging, this is all hypothetical, right? Say we're charging a thousand dollars a month and we're keeping 500 of that margin. Say for me, it's not worth it to keep 500 month margin. Um, for the amount of work that goes into it on my end, whether that be managing team, setting up, um, you know, everything myself or whatever the business is looking like. Well, instead of raising the price without raising value, um, you could add in uh, basically a system, let's say that will follow up with leads as soon as they're generated, if you're doing lead gen on Facebook. And now you're adding another service in and now I could charge a thousand five hundred dollars a month because it's worth that much. But my margins now increase, say that, the management for the new service costs $200 a month. Well, now my margins just increased by, and it's $800 total. So 
it's quite the way to look at it. And I find that to be true. Of course you'll have, cause I feel like if you're competing on price, like that is some very large companies that I don't, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of competing on price. Similar with Bobby, I'm with margin because especially when you're learning, it allows for error and mistakes. Um, instead of, cause if you mess up mistakes with really low margins, I mean, you're, you're kind of screwing yourself in certain aspects. And I don't know, to me, I just like higher margin um, service-based businesses right now. Who knows what the future holds though, right? But set up your environment for success was this third one. When we talked about, because um, literally what Bobby described is basically what I am. <laughs> when he said, you know, like suburban, uh, like upper middle class, like, you know, uh, just more privileges in that sense growing up with wealth in a family where you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat that night. And, you know, your parents have, like almost always had a job and I've been able to provide. Um, and I don't have any childhood memories of like being hungry or struggling. And I know my parents may have hid some of that a little bit growing up, which I mean, props to them, I suppose, for not making me nervous and whatnot as a, as a person in elementary school, but I never had to worry about any of that. And then, I mean, in fifth grade, I would come home and I would play Xbox with, with with my neighbor, Paul, shout out Paul until, um, gosh, what time? I mean, we would just play that shit. <laughs> like it was going out of style. Um, really until, I mean, not even that long ago, really did I, that I stopped. Like, I mean, when I say not that long, I can't put a finger on it, but sometime in high school, I think towards the beginning of high school, but even then still wasted some time. Basically what he's saying with non-refundable minutes, like if you can invest those non-refundable minutes in something you're passionate about. And like Bobby said, it may not be something that Here's what he meant, a little uh, clarification when he said, don't follow your passion. He meant like, say if I, my passion is dogs, instead of saying I want to be, and this is this kind of lifestyle you want to live. It really depends for what you want, right? But this is what Bobby meant is instead of being a veterinarian, right? What you would do is you would make a lot of money and something you'd fall in love with the process of whatever that is trying to get good at building a real estate portfolio, right? And you would then when you have that money, do stuff you're passionate about too. Cause now you have kind of like a nest egg that's feeding you. It's an asset that's putting money in your bank account that you've built up over years. You fell in love with that process. So you really enjoy that. And now you can do things that you enjoy because you have financial freedom. And yeah, yeah. Just to let you guys know too, we didn't get to this. Um, but Bobby, to give you a little bit of background, he started his real estate portfolio after he made a lot of money in his business, he reinvested into real estate. And that's one thing I know from consuming his content that he encourages is not to go straight into real estate. I mean, there are people who have done that and succeeded. So I'm not saying like there are people who've done almost everything and succeeded. So really if you want it bad enough and you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to work differently and smarter and seek information from reliable sources and act and implement that. Um, I mean, that's game over, right? So yeah. I really appreciate you guys. And before I wrap up to finish up the environment too, uh, like Bobby said, getting out of the comfort zone and putting yourself in something that's really uncomfortable. I am personally really struggling to do that. Um, it's such a big jump and it, it's scary. I'm not gonna lie. It's scary to think like, okay, I'm gonna go rent out my own apartment. I am going to pay for every single thing on my own, like whether that be my food, you know, if a car breaks down, I don't get any help from my parents for pay, like repaying that all that. And I know some people are already at that stage and props to you guys for sure. Um, just being transparent. I'm not like, I still get like, I'm living at home right now in the summer. Uh, my parents are feeding me basically every day. Like I haven't paid for food. You know what I mean? So there, there's tons of stuff like that. that's still relevant. 
And I mean, unless I like go out with friends and eat something, but, but yeah, so I'm really thinking about making that jump guys. It's scary. So I want to just be transparent on that. It's not like it's easy for me to be like, yeah, I'm just going to No, it's, it's a huge change and it's unknown and unknown is scary, but I'm all about getting uncomfortable. So I'm really thinking about that, weighing it out and how I can do it in a smart manner, not just stupid. And like, there, there's a certain way to do stuff. This is my point, but I appreciate you guys so much for listening. And I hope you have a great day. Please make sure to leave a review if you haven't already. Uh, really, it's not, it's kind of confusing, but you just tap on the name of the podcast and then sometimes you have to hit it again, scroll down and yeah, five stars if you enjoyed it. Zero if you fucking hated it. Excuse my language. <laughs> but yeah, really appreciate you guys. And please DM me any messages on Instagram if you have any questions or comments and feel free to follow up with Bobby at his Instagram official Bobby Castro, or if you want to learn more about him, head over to his website. So I hope you guys have an amazing day and you're all taking care. Peace.